Good afternoon. Hello, hello, hello. Wow. Well, thank you for joining me for chapter 17 of The Midnight Gang. <laughs> and it's called Telling Stories. So, the porter has to tell... Um, I think Tom, um, because he wants to know all about the um the uh the stories of the um dreams of the children. So here goes. The midnight gang had a thrilling night of racing driving, began Amber. In wheelchairs, continued the porter. One young lad called Henry couldn't walk at all. He had been born that way, but young Mr. Henry wanted desperately to be a racing driver. So I rewired his electric wheelchair to go super fast, 70 miles an hour. He was a blur when he whizzed past. Then, of course, the other children in the ward wanted to go. Wasn't fair, said George. Lucky old Henry. Lucky, said Robin, he couldn't walk. Well, yeah, I admit that wasn't so lucky. So I found some old rusty wheelchairs that have been left down here to rot, slurred the porter. I fixed them up with engines that I borrowed from the lawnmowers in the gardener's shed. All the children got a racing number painted on the back of their pyjamas. I used a tea towel as a starter flag and off they went. We raced and raced around and round the hospital corridors all night, exclaimed George. I came third. There were only three children in the race, remarked Amber. Yes, but I still came third. I crashed a hundred and three times. But I still enjoyed it, added Robin. Somehow I came in second. Although the children had started shivering in the freezer room, they couldn't stop sharing their stories of the midnight gang's after-dark adventures. Snow fell from the ceiling as they told their fantastical stories. Every one of them true. Then... There was a little girl in the ward called Valerie, began Amber, no more than ten years old, obsessed with history, wants to be an archaeologist when she grows up. Her dream was to explore the treasures of ancient Egypt. How did you do that? asked Tom. Well, I stole, oh, I mean borrowed, miles of bandage from the pharmacy, said the porter. Then all the other children wrapped each other in the bandages so they could be Egyptian mummies. I made a pyramid out of empty cardboard boxes and they all waited inside. When everything was in place, young Valerie found her way into the pyramid and pretended to be the first archaeologist to find the pharaoh's tomb. Making my way back to the children's ward, I couldn't see a thing, so I got lost, said Robin. 
I wandered into the wrong ward and ended up giving the old dears a fright. They thought a mummy had come back to life. <laughs> oh, that sounds so exciting, said Tom. I love the idea of having a spooky adventure like that. It's a shame you weren't here with us last Halloween then, young Mr Tom, said the porter. What happened then, asked Amber. Yes, none of us four were at the hospital back then, added Robin. Do tell us. Well, there was a young girl on the ward called Wendy. She was admitted to hospital to have an operation. Wendy hated being in here for so long as she was missing, not just Halloween, when she loved to go trick-or-treating, but also her ballroom dancing classes. So what did you do? asked Tom. I thought, why not combine the two? So I organised a ballroom dancing competition that started at midnight. Well, that doesn't sound the least bit spooky, said Amber. Well, young Miss Amber, the twist was all the children danced with skeletons. Real ones, asked Tom, rather disturbed. No, of course not. The plastic model ones that the doctors have in their rooms. Oh, thank goodness for that. And I let Wendy, Wendy win, of course. At least it wasn't one of the skeletons, said Robin. That could have been awkward. Of course, you three were all at the hospital here when the Midnight Gang went surfing, prompted the porter. Oh, yes, a boy called Gerald had lost a leg after a horrible road accident, said Amber. That's awful, said Tom. What was also awful was that Matron told him he now had absolutely no chance of being a professional surfer. Terrible woman, said Robin. But the Midnight Gang were having none of it, continued the girl. We helped Gerald up onto one of the porter's trolleys. Then working together, we raced him up and down the stairs all night like he was surfing the perfect wave. Oh, cool, said Tom. Let's not forget that young fellow who wanted to have tea with the Queen, slurred the porter. Sandy was his name. So how did you do that? asked Tom. Well, I'm not sure I looked much like the Queen, said Robin. I had a shower curtain draped over my shoulders and a bedpan on my head as a crown. I was in charge of the Queen's corgis, announced George proudly. How? asked Tom. We snuck around the hospital wards at night and collected up the fluffiest slippers. Then we attached them to wires on a pole and I moved them around and yapped like a dog. It was unbelievably lifelike, said Robin sarcastically. Sandy really enjoyed it, said George. He didn't enjoy being hit on the head with your pole. That was not my fault, protested George. Those corgis were out of control. Quite, replied Robin. 
Just last week, we had a boy on the rep ward who desperately, desperately wanted to be a comedian, said Amber. David was his name. Oh, but he just wasn't funny, added Robin. Painfully unfunny, actually. When telling a joke, David would say the punchline before the setup. He would say, the tomato saw the salad dressing. Why did the tomato blush? What? asked Tom. Oh, it gets worse. Is there an owl in there? Who, 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 who's there? Knock, knock. Oh, make it stop, said Tom. This was his best one. You're under a vest. Freeze. What did the policeman say to his tummy? I don't get it, said George. Well, it should have been, what did the policeman say to his tummy? Freeze, you're under a vest, said Amber. I still don't get it, replied George. Bless poor Mr David, said the porter. He was blissfully unaware of how unfunny he was. But the boy just longed to hear laughter. So what did you do? asked Tom. I borrowed a cylinder of laughing gas, began the man. What's that? said Tom. Well, doctors use it to treat pain, but it's called laughing gas because it also makes people laugh. So, without David knowing, I pumped it into a room full of expectant fathers waiting to hear news from the maternity ward. Then I sent young Mr David in there. He told all his back-to-front jokes and, surprise, surprise, the expectant fathers all laughed at everything he said. One of me favourites was when the Midnight Gang swam with dolphins, remembered George. Where was this? asked Tom. In the hospital's water tank, of course, replied the porter. It's huge, the size of a swimming pool. But what about the dolphins? Well, I did ponder borrowing a real one from the aquarium, but thought better of it. Instead, with the help of the children, we painted up some inflatable pillows to look like dolphins. Then I used some ropes and pulleys to pull them along the water. That little patient, Mohammed, I think he was only six, but he loved every minute of it. The safari was top, said George. Yeah, that was for all these twins. Hugh and Jack, said the porter. Hugh had kidney failure and Jack was giving his twin brother one of his kidneys. They were both in hospital for a while because of their operations. So their midnight gang adventure, the other children on the ward, made animal costumes out of things they found in the hospital. A hose became an elephant's trunk, a furry bath mat, a lion's mane, a prosthetic leg, a giraffe's neck. We borrowed a mobility scooter. That was their jeep. Then the twins drove around the hospital at night as the other children leapt out at them, dressed as the wild animals. Marvellous, said Tom. Simply marvellous. So have you 
two boys had your dreams come true yet? Well, tomorrow we will find out whether the answer is yes or no. So, come back and join me for chapter 18. Same time, same place. Make sure you have a wonderful, wonderful day. But while you're being wonderful, make sure you take care and stay safe. Bye for now.